Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. Brexit dominated our airwaves for the past four years. The intrigue during 2019 and 2020, which played out in Brussels and particularly in Westminster, was to say the very least, an interesting spectator sport. Many of the doomsday scenarios have been avoided due to the last minute deal which was struck. However, practical implications for tillage farmers and the broader tillage industry is still ongoing. We looked at this topic at the recent tillage spring webinars and it's worth revisiting to give a sense of the areas of concern yet to be fully resolved. We'll first go to a conversation between Fiona Thorne, an economist in Chagas, and Conor O'Callaghan, an advisor in Chagas, to discuss the wider aspects of Brexit. Thanks for joining us, Fiona. Um, can you see any positive or negative I- impact on the tillage farm incomes in the coming year um, related to the Brexit deal that has been done recently? Okay, so Connor, thanks very much for having me here this afternoon. So the, the main headline that I'd say in terms of income effects related to Brexit on tillage farms is that overall the tillage income is likely to be less affected by Brexit than any of the other main sectors in Irish agriculture. And the main reason for that is that we're a net importer of cereals and not heavily dependent on the UK as a market for goods like the beef or the dairy sectors, for example. But if we want to get into specifics about forecasts for income related to Brexit on tillage farms, the last official income forecast for specialist tillage farms was conducted by by myself and colleagues in Chagas back in December. Now, that income forecast was based on the best information that we had at that time, which was based on a no-deal outcome, which we know now is not the case. But in that analysis, the majority of the Brexit-related impacts were associated with the subsidiary beef enterprise and many specialist tillage farms, because we know a lot of specialist tillage farms out there don't just produce cereals, but they have subsidiary enterprises. Now, at the moment, what we're doing is that we're updating those income forecasts for 2021 based on the the trade agreement that was agreed between the UK and the EU on Christmas Eve. And overall, we expect that the forecast for tillage incomes will be more positive than what we had back in December on foot of the fact that those tariff barriers won't be in place uh, which would have been in place in the no deal outcome, uh, Connor. So, so we expect to have those renewed, updated income estimates for tillage farms by the end of January. What areas could you see maybe being affected, um, for example, in relation to fertiliser or agrochemicals, even pricing or even supply? Yeah, so on those two main inputs that you're talking about, Connor, crop protection, fertiliser, you hit the nail on the head. There's two ways in which they could be affected by Brexit. One is the price effect and the other is the supply effect. But in terms of the price effect, um, the main the, 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 the main effect in terms of tariff barriers to trade um, not being in play now because of the, the agreement that's in place, But what will be affecting inputs like fertiliser and crop protection are these non-tariff barriers to trade. And we'll have read about that in the media a lot, often referred to as NTBs. Now, what we know about them is that we know that they will happen uh, in a Brexit situation. But what we don't know about them is the magnitude of them or how big they will be for particular input items. But what we do know about them and what we can talk about is that they will occur. And the reason that they will occur is that we'll have costs associated with customs clearance of items coming in, 
costs associated with determining the rules of origin or where products are actually coming from or whether they're just transiting through the UK. There are also big costs associated with sanitary and phytosanitary issues and also technical barriers due, due to, to trade inspections. Um, and that's bringing me on to that next point then, Connor, that, that we talked about earlier, about the supply effects for, for fertilizer and crop protection. So over the last couple of days and last week or week and a half or so, we've seen in the media um, a lot of transport delays associated with checking of goods, not just for agri inputs, but for a lot of, of goods coming into the country from the UK, leading to supply chain issues and, and lengthening of supply chain and taking items longer to come into the country. Now, we've seen this already taking place um, so far in January, but we expect as the year goes on that these delays will reduce as firms get better handling um, of the new procedures that are in place. Now, I know, Connor, before, before we leave these agri-inputs, I know that you wanted to talk mostly about the short-term effects uh, for 2021, but we can't leave these agri-input items without me talking a little bit more about the medium-term outlook for these inputs, for fertiliser, crop protection, or whatever those main inputs are on, on tillage farms. So even though that, that trade agreement is in place, and both sides have committed um, to not reducing the level of environmental or climate protection as part of that trading agreement, what the agreement doesn't require both sides, both the EU and the UK to do, it doesn't require them to have harmonised standards or regulations. And it allows for divergence in regulations over time. And this is very important for agri-inputs um, in the tillage sector. And an example that I'll give you of that is that at the Oxford Farmers Conference in the UK recently, the DEFRA Minister George Eustace said, that he was announcing a public consultation on the easing of the framework for gene editing, at least in England. And now that's a, a very, very big departure from the situation that we find ourselves in the EU. And further on over the medium term, we might also see a situation where crop protection products are banned in the EU, but are permitted for use by tillage farmers in the UK if the authorities there decide to take a different interpretation of the scientific evidence that's out there. Fiona, that's a great um, insight and overview um, onto the Brexit um, side of the house, Brexit side of the house compared to the tillage um, industry. There are many areas highlighted there which may touch many people before 2021 is over. We will now go to Martin McCullough, a Chagas advisor in Donegal, who talks to Charlie Doherty, a Donegal potato farmer, and Stephen Robb of the Irish Farmers Journal, who's also farming in Donegal, to chat about the areas of concern in the border counties. So Charlie, maybe if we could start with you about the potato end of things, or how do you think, you know, what, what, what has the deal left, what has it left at the, at the door of the potato growers in the country? Well, I suppose Brexit, one of the, as the saying goes, um, it's, uh, it's another one doesn't blow somebody some good. And in the Brexit case, I suppose the seed potatoes is, is that. Um, and as it stands at the moment, there's no seed allowed in at all from uh, from Scotland. Uh, Scotland would have exported between five and 6,000 tonnes into, into Ireland. Um, a lot of that stuff would have been brought in before Christmas, all right, so they're probably safe enough this year for a lot of it, although... I would say there'll be a bit of scarcity there, you know, with somebody maybe missing the boat and not getting stuff in. But, um, but I mean, going forward and for, for growing the stuff, I mean, there's an opportunity there for us to grow seed uh, for wear growers. You know, it's, uh, 
that's a, it's a good opportunity. Uh, like we can grow the seed as well as anybody else. Like as well as that, a commitment between uh, the ware grower and the seed grower. I think that's a big thing. Uh, you know, you can't just uh, you know pull a planter up into the field and then ring the seed guy looking for seed. You know, there has to be a bit of commitment to say, I want this. You know, in the springtime, come to come to us in this or the seed grower in the, in the springtime and say, I want X amount of seed. Will you grow me X amount of seed so that I can grow that for him? Like you know. Uh, so I mean, if, if that commitment is there, there's no reason why it wouldn't work. You, we need, we need to, we better to have security ourselves and growing our own seed. Uh, the fact that Scotland's out now, um, the opportunity is there for us to, to grasp it now. The only other opportunity is in, or the only other thing the worker can do is go to go to Europe to grow the seed. Like, but it, that's not a high grade status, you know. And there's a lot more diseases out there. And, uh, you know, you could bring a lot more problems in, like, you know, so, uh, like I say, uh, there definitely should be a big push on for, for, for between the seed grower, the Irish seed grower and where grower. Why, why wouldn't we grow it ourselves, really, at the end of the day? Stephen, I might just go over to you now and maybe just how you see things happen from the cereals point of view or the cereal tillage industry and the cereal industry in, in specific or whatever going forward. Uh, thanks, Martin. Yeah, so I suppose with, with potatoes, the, the changes are, are are abrupt. They're real, they're there, they're in your face. Whereas on the cereal end of things, uh, they might be a little bit more subtle. And in fact, many elements of it are as, as business as usual. You know, if we take uh, cereal seed imported from uh, from the UK or from Britain, to be more uh, exact, uh, there's not that much imported anyway, but essentially all it has to do is, is get a, a final phytosanitary certificate um, and get signed off by the relevant authorities and, and have a few documents and and um, and it can still cross the border and in, into Europe uh, when I say some things are business as usual uh, well important grains for feed purposes uh, important silage and perhaps the biggest missed opportunity of it all is, is important straw is, is business as usual uh, no requirements are our extra requirements are, are needed, uh, which is a particular disappointment because um, even if there had been a phytosanitary requirement uh, in place for straw, well, it might have sharpened uh, the importer's uh, awareness of important, potentially harmful seeds like blackgrass or whatever. Um, well, yeah, I, I think when we get into the more subtle changes when it comes to the Brexit and, and on the cereal end of things, um, there's... A lot of the technical details maybe around rules of origin uh, for our import for products exported from from Britain and flour is a prime example of that. Um, you know, I, I believe there's uh, a lot of issues coming to light now with Canadian wheat being imported into Britain, then processed and and flour exported to Europe and carrying a tariff. So you would have to ask if these rules, which are now imposed in Britain, um, by them leaving the, the European Union. Uh, if that increases the cost of their exports, well, is there an opportunity for us here in Ireland to to produce whatever they're exporting nat- natively? You know, and, and undoubtedly there is, particularly in in wheat. Um, so, and then elsewhere, I suppose another uh, another change, a huge loss really to Ireland in particular is the loss of an ally, um, loss of an ally in Europe, particularly when it comes to. Um, uh, pesticides and pesticide registration and and that's going to be it's not it's going to take some time to manifest itself really but whenever it does we we will miss them and we will notice their influence and um their their support during the tillage end of things martin 
Some interesting opportunities identified by both Stephen and Charlie, but it remains to be seen if these opportunities can be realised. Finally, we go to Kieran Hickey, a Chagas advisor in Wexford, who chats to Brian Lacey from Paddy Lacey Tractors in Ferns, and also Jerry Ryan from the FTMTA, who chat about the effects of Brexit on machinery imports. We're here today in the yard of Paddy Lacey Tractors in the Harrow and Ferns, who would be a well-known tractor importer in the area. And I suppose we just came here today to, f to find out what the impact of Brexit would be on a, a business like this um, in, into the future. There are tractors here from Germany, from France, from Holland, but as you'll hear Brian say later in the interview, over 60% of the tractors that are imported here come from the UK market. At the moment, they have some machines purchased and are just going through the early stages of figuring out the extra uh, regulations and inspections that will be required to bring machines in. But they are confident that the UK will still remain an important part of where they purchase um, equipment and that they'll continue to trade with them in the future. So I suppose the question is, uh, where are we now in relation to imports of farm machinery from the UK? So since last September, um, there's been a regulation brought into, the, into place by the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, which covers the categories of farm machinery. So you have agricultural tractors, agricultural machinery, horticultural machinery, forestry machinery, anything for soil preparation or cultivation. Harvesting equipment, um, trashing equipment for straw, um, fodder, balers, grass, hay mowers. So the Department of Agriculture will be administering the new regulation, but it is a whole new area that wasn't there before. The specific requirements for importing secondhand machinery from the UK are you must register with the Department of Agriculture, you must register with Traces NT, which is the European control system. The machinery must be clean of uh, soil or plant debris. A phytosanitary cert is required, which will be provided by the UK's um, National Plant Protection Organization. All documents have to be submitted to the department at least 24 hours before the consignment is, is sent for shipping. And part one of the Traces NT form, which is the EU form, must be completed. And secondhand machinery will be subject to a physical check on arrival into Ireland. Just before Christmas we bought tractors and the lorry going to England and we brought them home on the same load. Or yeah, you could fly over and come straight home with one, sure there's no paperwork or nothing, just book your boat on the way home with you. Have you brought any machines in since January? or? No, we've stuffed bought to come in and we're in the process of getting it in. So we're just going down a lot of different avenues, talking to different people to see what the best way to do it is but a lot of people are not sure themselves even the custom people are not sure themselves between England cust English customs and Irish customs. You still see the UK as being a big um, marketplace for you and I would say so I would say we'll be still bringing stuff in it's going to take time it's going to take money mm. but it's not going to be just as straightforward as it was but 
I believe by talking to some of the English dealers that we de- that we buy a lot of stock from, they've been looking into it. It's, it's going to work. But if we buy a tractor today, now it could take, I don't know, a couple of weeks, three weeks. We don't know. The, pro- the problem will arise, the farmer, the f- we're in the business and we don't know. Yes. And we know a lot of people that's traveling, hauliers, customs people, different shipping companies, we know we're dealing with them all the time. We're not sure. So the, the normal man that wants to buy one machine, they'll have to go through, until it's on a website with A, B, C, D to do, it'll take time. What's the current position on machinery imports? Um, and is there much in, uh, equipment brought in since the 1st of January? The situation since the start of the year has been complicated and I suppose I'm talking about new and used machinery. So, you know, in some cases, new machinery that's being imported by the major brands. Even that is not proving simple at the moment. On the used side, we probably saw a lot of stockpiling of equipment um, pre pre the new year, pre the Christmas break. And in fact, if you look at used tractor imports, which, you know, by and large, the vast majority of them are coming from the UK. Um, last year, there was slightly over 3,000 new tractors brought in from uh, the, well, imported into the country. The vast majority of those came in in the second six months of the year. And in fact, December, there was nearly 400 tractors came in from the UK. Like December is not a month that we'd normally see a lot of activity like that. So I think it's clear that a lot of people, whether they were dealers who are active in that second-hand import business or indeed private individuals, farmers for their own purposes, decided to get ahead of the curve, get stock, get machines into the country before the great unknown. And so I think you're seeing limited enough activity because people had stockpiled. The stuff that is coming in is certainly not proving easy. And interestingly, it's not just here in the 26 counties. Bear in mind that north of the border, because of Northern Ireland Protocol, and there, you know, there would be a lot of machinery flows from, we say, Great Britain into the north and ultimately down into the south from there. They're subject to exactly the same requirements as we are. And I've had dealers and importers in, in, the, in the north over the last week who are every bit is impacted by this. The type of timeframes, the type of costs, the type of challenges... You, you, you really, it's not like before, you're going to need someone that's, that's, that's pretty on, on the ball with this. Would that be fair? Well, I, I think, as you said, Karen, you know, they pre, like, for instance, this time of the year now, look, Tillage Farmer, I suppose, relatively quiet. Tillage Farmer, obviously, very knowledgeable about machinery, you know, maybe in comparison to a lot of other farming clients, um, and certainly knows what he needs in specific machine. It has been so easy for that guy to do, to do this transaction himself before, but really, we need to think that that world has changed. And would the man have, would he have, re- as readily as going to the UK, would he have as readily looked to import a machine privately from Canada before? He wouldn't have, because Canada is the other side of the world. Well, the UK is where it always was. But in terms of regulation, it might as well be Canada right now. That's the truth of it. Hopefully, the contributors gave you a sense of things to come. It could have been worse, and there's certainly some difficulties coming down the road. But there are also a number of opportunities, which, if realised, can add to tillage farmers' income. That's it for the Tillage Edge this week, and my thanks to all the contributors. The Chagas Tillage Month continues with the Winter Crop Agronomy Update webinar, which is on next Tuesday, February 9th at 11.30am. 
For more details, go to www.chagas forward slash tillagemonth for more details. Don't forget, if you like this podcast, recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcast or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more farming news, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week for more tillage news and advice.